the podcast, a show about our favorite team. It's hosted by myself and my brother. I'm Neil. I'm Scott. And welcome to episode two. We made it through episode one. That happened. You listened. Now we're on episode two. This is going to be the Empire Strikes Back to episode one. Oh, I knew hope. I feel so comfortable now. It's going to be the favorite, the best one of the trilogy, but also have a dark ending that you people won't expect. Oh, spoilers. Right there, they might just look for that in the future. A dark ending. Uh, things are not dark in the wool in the Timberwolves world right now, Scott. It looked dark for a little bit. Whenever they steal my sunshine, will you please not take my sunshine away? My sunshine <laughs> is Ricky Rubio. And That's right. It's it's crazy. I don't think this would happen with any other player on the team. But when Ricky doesn't play. I'm just a little less excited to watch the games. Like it's it's a whole different thing, right? You, I'm still gonna watch. I'm still psyched for a Tim Rolls game, still but fans. You just know it's not gonna be as fun. It's not gonna be as competitive. You know, it's gonna be a different watching experience. You're, instead of going in there saying like anything can happen, yeah. what are we gonna do? You go in there saying, well, they're probably gonna beat us tonight. Yeah, Let's the, see if we can try our best. The opposition's gonna score at will. Exactly. You know, to me, that's the first thing is like the de- the defense at the point of attack. It's not quite going to be there. So clear this week, and it's just not—it's just not as much fun. He's just got so much pop in his step, and it's, uh, you know, especially early on in the season, uh, so brings so much more to both ends of the court. The value of Ricky Rubio, I think, was was the main uh, kind of headline of this week. He did miss four games um, last it, week, primarily Charlotte not- and Golden State, and then the weekend games against Indiana and Memphis. He sat out. And that sounds like a lot worse than it is because you think four games, well, that's a lot of games in the NBA. Yeah. But we're in this stretch. I think we just played our seventh game in nine days. That's right. Uh, in, in Orlando. Stretch. Yeah. And so it sounds worse than it is. He was only out for a week, which means, you know, the injury sounds very severe if you've missed four games, but it's really just a week. You know, that's, yeah, it is kind of a weird length of time to miss for a, just a simple strain, a simple muscle strain. I rolled my ankle and it hurt the next week at hoops. You know, <laughs> like I get it. It, take, it takes a week. And why would you push? it uh especially when you know if ricky's on the court ricky's going all out and so i would protect him from himself and keep him out too but like i said we got to the golden state game we went to the golden state game uh for our andrew wiggins bobbleheads yep and when i heard ricky wasn't playing it was just like ah shucks i thought you know it'd be really challenge we could put up like a fun challenge for golden state but knowing Ricky wasn't there to guard Steph Curry, like who's going to guard Steph Curry? Zach Levine, you know, Andre Miller, nah, nah. Kevin Martin. Like nah. you basically have to put Wiggins on him, yeah. you know, if you're going to have it. So he's really the only person that we have that can guard the opposing team's point guard. And I was thinking tonight, I was going through the league's point guards, and I, I think Ricky's a top, you know, six or seven point guard defensively in the mm. league, just in terms of matching up and, and slowing guys down. And that's so invaluable with how like point guard driven the league can be today. When you can't guard the point guard, you're just everything's going downhill. Zach Levine, I was thinking uh, the other night, he was having a hard time fouling everybody. Mike Connolly abused him, <laughs> like he had foul trouble that whole game because he just can't keep up on defense, and so he fouls. And that's uh, maybe you know one of the best things about having Ricky. Ricky and, and the Wolves are you know the Wolves so far this season. Their starting five is one of the best starting fives as far as defense goes in the league, one of the best five-man lineups as far as defense goes, and it all starts with Ricky up top. Um, again, against all those amazing point guards that we have in the NBA today, you got to have someone up there to uh, slow it down as they attack. So obviously um, having Ricky back uh, matters a lot. Um, the two games in Florida, defense was much better. 
You um, notice that all the wings run harder. All the centers run right. harder. You run hard every time because you know if Ricky gets that rebound, he's going to throw an outlet pass across the entire court. When Levine is carrying the ball up court, nobody runs that hard because Levine has, is really slow to set up the offense. He has to wait for people to get into sets. And even then, he might not be able to make the pass to you. And so the offense just doesn't try as hard. But when you think you could get the ball at any time, that's exciting for the players. They try harder when Ricky's in the lineup. You little, can just see it. A little backdoor cut, little oop, you know, whatever it might be. There's lots of different ways Ricky can get you the ball. And it's it's such a stark difference. It's one of those things that I think Ricky is a very polarizing figure because people who don't watch the games and only look at the stat line and the box scores are really disappointed in Ricky because he's not averaging 20 points or something like that. Yeah, he shoots like 2 of 10. From he's the not field. shooting like 40% yeah. from the field. Yeah. But Ricky, like if you look at the win-loss percentage when Ricky does play with the team and when he doesn't play with the team, it's clear that Ricky is like, I was thinking the opposite of what Kevin Love was. Like Kevin Love, yes. which not his fault that he lost all the games. He gets you know uh, he gets a lot of grief for that. But Kevin Love would stuff the stat line. He would have the most impressive box scores in yeah. the league: twenty five and 12, 25 and thirteen every night. And his team would never win. No. And and the Wolves, you know, never had a winning season with Kevin Love. And so I think Ricky's kind of the opposite. Where Ricky is a winning player who doesn't get stats. <laughs> yes. The, the behind team, the scenes. And it just goes to show you, I think, the limitations of the stats we use today. Like, when a player that is as good and as clearly helping the team win as Ricky, and, and, and I think we're underserved when casual fans look at the stats and can't see Ricky Rubio having an impact in the casual stats. I know plus yeah. minus and things like that are getting into that more. But I think that it shows a blind spot in our uh, the stats we use in the blogosphere if we we can't quantify Ricky. That's right, the way he, he deserves. He matters so much to to, to the team and to have him back's great. Uh, got the win in Miami, almost got the win in Orlando um, this week. But yeah, anyone who watches the team can can totally tell the value of Ricky Rubio. Um, the next thing we want to talk about is the national media attention that the Wolves have been getting um, this week. Uh, the Wolves were on TNT against uh, the, the Golden State Warriors uh, one week ago, that would be. Um, that that was huge. Uh, the only TNT game the Wolves have this season, their first in a couple seasons probably, uh, Zach Lowe in town, David Aldridge, Mark Stein. Uh, who's who? TNT, uh, broadcasting crew? Oh, all of them in the house. Marv Albert and, and, and Bones Brent Berry, I think, were, were there calling the game. I hope we had a good media meal that day. And, I want to impress them. And, and just more than that game, just sort of in general, lots of lots of media noticing the, you know, I think the Wolves obviously were, uh, were um, preseason favorites to be kind of a league pass favorite team. I don't know that anybody had them this close to 500 um, through like 12 games of the season. So, you know, I think they're delivering and the media is noticing. Lots of lots of people. It's it's impressive not only for the media noticing. I, I remember one of my when Flip came over from doing ESPN and came back to the team. He made the joke. They asked him about if he had known. You know, he studied up on the Wolves because he was working on ESPN, and he said. No, we only have to talk about five teams on ESPN. I never had to talk about the Wolves, <laughs> yeah. which is uh, it's very true. So ESPN has kind of that, and now they're good again, or like, and now there's hope again, and yeah. it's been the dark desert. Right. What I think is crazy is I read these blogs like Slam Online, where it's much more about what's happening now and the kids coming up and things like that. And they're not even prefacing this season. They're not even prefacing those articles with they've been bad for so long. Like that's kind of what it was for Wiggins last season. It's like Wiggins is the hope. And this season it's just like the Wolves are rising. This is an impressive team. Like we don't have to 
have a caveat anymore about that. It's it's clear that yes. we're a, a team on the rise. We've always been like labeled as like the league pass team for like the past five years, where the, people have said they might not be good, but they will be entertaining, be young and exciting. But it's different this year. I mean, people I don't think have the expectations that we're going to go to the playoffs or anything, but they they don't say like they're good despite the, or you know they're entertaining despite themselves. It's kind of like they're growing, and that's why they're entertaining as well as. The incredible talent. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, how well um, Carl Anthony Towns has played. You know, I think being the number one pick, lots of people got their eyes on you, and he's certainly living up to that number one pick status, and that's leading to a lot of the attention, saying, whoa, in a great draft class, as it's turning out, there's five or six guys who, you know, could possibly be rookie of the year at this point. You know, Cat, I still think, is at the top of that list, and people are people are noticing. It's, it's really cool. It's it's so fun to watch Cat. It's yeah. not just, like, dump it into him because he's got a good drop step or something like that. He scores in so many different ways. He blows by defenders when he's on the perimeter. He has a, a litany of post moves. He has the jumper. Just making and then, big plays when it matters. On defense, yeah, he, he will get a block down in the paint, and then he'll come out and cover the perimeter and, and switch onto a point guard and actually lock the point guard down. Like he's always doing different stuff, so it's like he's one already has one of the most diverse games on the team. Let me ask you: um, a couple of years ago, the Wolves were a, a pretty good team. I think uh, 2012, 2013, the year that uh, Adelman's final year. Uh, yeah, one of the Adelman years where the it was the year the Wolves blew, basically blew every game down the stretch. Love and Ricky didn't get Ooh. this kind of treatment. <laughs> they were they were you know not not a bad team, not a great team, somewhere in the middle. Great point differential and stuff. Why is it different this year? Why is it, you know, as far as the media coverage, you know, it's not necessarily like the team hasn't, you know, won games in the past. It's 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 something different this year. It feels different because this isn't a team that is now uh, get it done before your window closes. It was, oh, this mm. is Rick Adelman's last year in the league and love can force his way out. And it was seemed so fatalistic where all the stories were framed in, this team's stats are better. Why aren't they winning more? And it was more like, why isn't this team more? And this is closing quickly. Whereas these stories today are like the boundless, limitless potential of the future. We can all look at Wiggins and Towns and they project them. cornerstones. We can project them any way we want. Yeah. And it just feels like the way forward, as Zach Lowe had in his, his piece about this, is a lot more, at least there's hope and we have a clear path. There's always hope the previous seasons that maybe, you know, we would get lucky or maybe Wes Johnson would turn it on or whatever. Yeah. But like now it seems like it's very clear uh, that Wiggins and Towns are the future. That's right. Well, th- th- I want to say thank you to all the media paying attention. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, come, appreciate it. Come back. Come I'm on a, out. They had to get it in before the snow came, but it's going to be an El Nino <laughs> winter. So come on back. We would love to have any of you guys on the pod, obviously. Oh, yeah. We'd love to, we'd yeah. Love to have some Zach Lowe. You know, we, we love that dude. Well, um, moving on to the next thing, uh, uh, the Timberwolves franchise is for sale. Now, this is not news uh, per se. This is something that, um, you know, Glenn Taylor has been hinting at for a while, you know, kind of wanting to wind down his ownership, um, you know, possibly, you know, pass it on to somebody, um, have a new minority owner who he eventually moves it on to. Um, he did have the Wolves up for sale maybe five years ago, four years ago, and then took them back off the market. In 2013... This is one of Glenn Taylor's best business decisions ever. Yes, yes. they were for sale. Much better than buying the Star Tribune because print media is dead. Was it like the end of the con era where they were for he sale? Was, yeah, he was looking for people to buy the team that he can transition yep. ownership over to. 
And instead, what he did was he bought out all the minority owners. Did the opposite. Did the opposite. Bought out Give all the shares. minority owners and brought Flip in for a That's small right. percentage. Yes. And at the time, 2013, the team was valued by Forbes at 300 some million dollars. Yeah. And this year, they're valued at well over $600 million. Wow. So he doubled the franchise's value in two years. Like, that, that's brilliant. And I don't know if he sees, like, to get a macroeconomic sense of the league, there's all this TV money coming in, but maybe ESPN overpaid for that deal and are now in trouble because they paid so much money for cable <laughs> rights and cable's not going to be a big thing in the future. And so who knows where the payroll and the value of the league is going in the future. On one hand, you see all these billionaires getting into the league. There's only 30 slots, and so team valuation's going up. Um, but if I were Glenn... Well, I mean, it's hard to imagine what your priorities would be if you're glad. Yeah. But like, it's hard to tell if that in the next two years, value of every team will double again. It seems unlikely that it would double again. Right. We probably have a peak coming soon in the next couple of years. And but, I mean, everyone was thinking, you know, all the word was KG wants in on this. KG coming back to the team to play. And then when he's done, you know, he can potentially be, you know, someone who's in the front office as an owner, um, uh, basketball operations type of person. Yeah, that, that's in question now. I and mean, there's a report this week from uh, Woj over at uh, Yahoo talking about uh, some of the prospects for the franchise, uh, you know, who they might be selling to, at least a minority stake for now. Because, again, I think that is still Glenn's plan. He'd like to sell to somebody um, who can be a minority owner for a few years. Glenn and doesn't do everything all at once. No. He's got to have a slow transition. Yeah. And word is that's what scuttled some other interest groups. There's been a lot of interest in buying the Wolves, but those guys want to take over day one. They don't want this kind of like get to know you, slow dance that uh, Glenn likes to do with everybody. Now, I think, tell me this, are you worried about, about this sale? Are you are you worried about the potential of the Wolves maybe leaving town or going into the, to the wrong hands? Is that something you're worried about? I, I I am a little worried, but right. I, I think that it's just the kind of uh, reasonable worry that I have. I don't think yes. it's uh, paranoid because, you know, there was when Chris Hansen's Seattle group wanted to buy the Canes, they made an offer to Taylor to buy the Wolves, and that was a good mm. sum of money they offered. And Taylor wisely said no, because now the team's worth more. So he <laughs> wisely said no, but he also wouldn't do it because he wanted to keep the team in Minnesota. You imagine that if it's a slow transition. It's going to take, you know, one or two years, three years of this new ownership group being a minority partner. Then Glenn sells them the majority. By that time, I think the target center renovations will get done. And with that, we have a lease that we'll be locked into. And that's something that really comforts me because it's one thing for the outgoing owner to say, these guys are definitely going to keep the team in Seattle, but it's a different thing when the new owners keeps them in Seattle for a year, makes them tank and then steals them to Oklahoma city. Yeah. The whole OKC Seattle precedent here. Scare it basically is going to scare any any uh, fans of a team who's about to sell. Right, because when they sold it when they sold that team, he's like, oh, they'll definitely stay in Seattle. They'll definitely stay in Seattle. So yeah. you got to always take what the new ownership says with a grain of salt. Yeah, but if we get them locked into a lease and make it really hard for the team to leave, I think that there's not much to worry there. And I also saw a report. I think it might have been Doogie Darren Wolfson. Uh, who said that the new ownership group would still be interested in taking on Kevin Garnett and making him a part? I love it. So keep the ticket. Yes, keep the big ticket. Keep and the ticket. That keep it in town. Here. He doesn't want to live in Seattle. Uh, speaking of, you know, attending Wolves games, we went to one together. First last one of the week. year. We went to one last week. Uh, Golden State, um, obviously a, a hot ticket, defending champs, coming back into town. They're still undefeated. And uh, Andrew, as of this Bo- recording, Andrew Wiggins bobblehead night. Yeah. Minnesota fans are crazy about bobbleheads. 
bobbleheads. You know, I think uh, there has not been a Timberwolves bobblehead for many, many years. The Minnesota Probably Twins. Since Johnny Flynn. Yeah. As well, I mean, an official one um, that was <laughs> right. given away because they're. Give away, I, own a, I own a terrible. Kevin Love bobblehead that I got at the Timberwolves rummage sale, but it was like something that only sold at the concession booth. It wasn't something that was yeah, a promotion. giveaway. Yeah. Yeah. And it is so ugly. It looks nothing like him at all. <laughs> the love it's one? Well, yeah, it's one of the worst bobbleheads <laughs> I own. It's terrible. The Wiggins one's not bad. Looking at it right now, hair is okay. Yeah. Got a smile pretty good. I, I think these things are very hard to do. As that, far as bobbleheads go, Wiggins is above average, but Decent. not much about. Because I think that like we've been a little spoiled if you're a Twins fan. The Twins, for the past three years, have been pulling out the stops. The likenesses are really good. Really? Most bobbleheads, it's just normal for it to look like trash because they're reusing yeah. like a different form or body parts. But the Twins have been nailing it. So, uh, you know, that's why I, that's the only reason I'm a little disappointed in the Wiggins one because I got a Brian Dozier one this summer it. and it was just perfect. There's four more this year. Maybe, you know, the cat one will be better. You cat know, one? There's always room for uh, improvement. December 26th. Oh. Cat. <laughs> and then also, can we do any like reading into what the tea leaves are for the team by seeing what five? players they selected right who heads. are all the ones is there a zach there's a zach one yeah ricky ricky one we can't one? trade ricky who's the last one uh it's gorgie gorgie <laughs> yeah it's gorgie sorry shabazz yeah, got up the gorgie bobble sorry head. sorry bielitsa okay so we got our bobblehead we sat in the upper deck uh we don't like to do that but it's been it's State. been a weird season i uh, usually we go to like every game you know we've had season tickets like two of the previous three years we try to go a lot a lot of that in the last couple of years has been capitalizing on the low ticket <laughs> exactly they raised Nobody the price being in the building but even then last year the wolves ticks it was so easy to get tickets because yeah. the team was so bad you could get uh, like very very, very cheap tickets for the lower level on the resale market. Yeah, that's what I mean. The second hand market is great. Now things have changed a little bit. There's ex- even though the team's not great, there's still excitement. You know, people want to see the young stars. There's people in the building more more so this year than I'm other getting years. married in like a month. Like a <laughs> month and a half it. I'm getting married. So yeah. I gotta save all my money. Yeah. Can't I'll go to a lot of games after the new year. But you gotta go to see Golden State if they come to your town. They're insane right now. Steph Curry's amazing. Um, you know, it was just just great to see great great to see the dubs. Any other any other game experience uh, notes you had from going to Target Center, uh, Scott? Um, well, f- well, first I should say about the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. we've gone to Golden State Warriors games. You know, we've probably seen them play twice a year at the Target Center for the last three or four years. And I remember back when we had our season tickets during the Karolinko year. Ooh. Where we were sitting behind four people wearing matching Barnes jerseys and hats. Harrison Barnes. It was like his family, you know, because they're from like one of the Dakotas. <laughs> or Ames, Iowa. Ames, yeah, they're Iowa. from Ames, Iowa. Yeah. So there, it used to be like no one at the Golden State Warriors games except Harrison Barnes' family. <laughs> and then this time it was like the 11 year old Steph Curry jerseys, man. The like 11 he, and 12 year old boys of America. He's probably on the cover of Sports Illustrated for kids every month because yeah. kids are in love with that guy. It's because it's like, hey, look, there's a player who looks like me. He's, a, he's I'm as small as me. Yeah. Yeah. And the baby face. Oh, he's so popular, though. It was crazy. The line to get autographs from him was like double the line around the Timberwolves tunnel. It was cool. We went early to get the bobblehead and, and thus saw him warming up. And uh, He's wild. crazy warming up. Wild. Oh, my God. Oh, what, what, wow. What a sight. I mean, even in the game, it was crazy to see what he's doing. Like, we've seen him every year, and this year is something different. Like, even last year, I wasn't this impressed. We went to those games. This year is something yep. different. He's on. He's on fire. Right now, he's got a different look in his eye this year. I'll also say the the Target Center's trash, which is something we've <laughs> talked about. But I went with a friend. Fall apart. I, in addition to Neil, I went with a friend, and he had to check his backpack uh-huh. before going into the arena. The coat check. 
So after the game, we went back to the coat check line, and I stood in line for over an hour for the coat check. The line was in like a tight hallway at the Target Center, and the line wrapped around the hallway. So you were sitting like shoulder to shoulder with someone who was like 50 people back in the line. And they, it was just terrible. And it just goes to show you, like... They're not used to that kind of traffic. <laughs> they're not used to that traffic, but also there's not a good waiting spot besides the hallway. And then also, like, the, the coat check room is just a actually, closet, like, a, a tiny, closet. A yeah, tiny it's little, not... Yeah. It's just an example of how just trash that stadium is. Like, let's hope for that trash. Reno- let's hope that renovation, uh, A, happens, B, is it is nice when it happens. Zach Lowe <laughs> promised a massive Ooh. billboard, or scoreboard, in the working. Wait. Can't wait. It's we, about time. We go bored. Uh, wonderful. Okay, that wraps it up for our main section. But up next, we have a uh, word from our sponsor. So stick around. We have more content after that. Timberwolves, the podcast. Hey, Billy, you want to shoot some hoops? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love hoops. Let's shoot threes like Steph Curry. Yeah. Nobody wants to shoot inside the three-point line. It's statistically inefficient. Don't you know about advanced metrics? Oh, yeah, you're right. Let's never shoot two-point J's ever again. Every day on playground blacktops across America, you can witness something just like this. Today's youth know nothing about the NBA glory years, the late 80s and early 90s. In that era, long two-point jump shots were as cool as listening to Michael Jackson's dangerous cassette tape on your Sony Walkman. The forgotten shot was essential to the greatest teams of all time. Isaiah's Pistons, Russell's Celtics, Jordan's Bulls. And we can't let the young hoopers of today forget about what came before us. So the next time you're on the court, please pause and step inside the line for a lawn two. This public service announcement is brought to you by Lawn Twos for America and Basketball before 1979. Welcome to tonight's game featuring your Minnesota Timberwolves versus the bad guys. But first, it's time for Target Center Food Review. All right, as we mentioned uh, before, Scott and I made it to our first Timberwolves game of the season at Target Center. They have a whole bunch of new food over there. Uh, We tried some of it. Scott reviewed it. Scott, what were your findings from uh, trying the new food over at Target Center? One of the only things that changes in the Target Center from year to year, it's the food. <laughs> we, we tried two new dishes this time out. We wanted to try something new on purpose instead of just going with the uh, ice cream that we usually do. <laughs> or candy. Or candy. We really like candy. <laughs> but we had two different dishes that I'm going to battle head-to-head. Oh. I'm going to run through a variety of categories, and we'll have our foodie review we had two different dishes. The first was a tot dish taco, Ooh. and the other one was buffalo sliders, buffalo burger sliders. Mm. And let me tell you, first, here's the category. The first category we're going to go with is presentation. I want to start something else. Okay. And before we get into these categories, let me just say that it's really hard to find e- info on either of these online. Target Center <laughs> Eats has a new website Ooh. where they preview the new food and give you a breakdown of all of them. But the, there's no online existence, basically, of these two foods we had. They, no descriptions, nothing. Right. So you'll just have to look for it yeah. at the, at the sidelines. <laughs> just when walk a lap. When you're there. <laughs> so our first category between the two is presentation. 
I have to give this one hands down to the Buffalo Sliders. It wasn't even a fair fight. It comes in like a nicer little uh, carrying case and the the buns look seared and like there's a lot more presentation to it. Whereas the tot dish, one of the worst things about it was how it looked. It looked like a cold thing that you probably heated up yesterday and left on the counter. It, it was not very appealing looking. Looking I'll appetizing that. is important. Oh, yeah. It's got, it's got to strike your belly with the vision. You taste food with your eyes before you ever get it to your mouth. Absolutely. First rule of cooking. Yeah. The next thing, though, the tot dish makes up for it in the price category. Tot dish price at six fifty, which is a lot for you and me on the street. But at the Target Center, I mean, candy costs $4 for a pack of M&Ms. And so $6.50 for six fifty for two tacos. Mm. That's actually a really good deal by Target Center it's standards. F- also, it's full-size taco, not not like a street taco tiny shell, full-on tortilla. Yeah, I feel like this is uh, more satisfying than eating like a hot dog. If you yep. were to get like a hot dog or something like that, it's probably not as big as some of the other. And you get two taco, items. you get two tacos with that. You get three little mini sliders. Sliders, but the sliders were eight fifty, nine fifty, nine fifty, nine fifty. So the price, hands down, got to go to the tot dish tacos. The price alone, maybe yeah. we could probably come back. As far as like the theme, like how what's the local tie? Does it tie into the theme of the Timberwolves? What? How does it appeal to local fans? Tater Todd Hot Dish is maybe our greatest local delicacy. I feel like it's in our a blood. Lot, maybe if you're listening from out of state, you don't even know what we're talking you about. It's it. a casserole yeah. with beef and tater tots and mm. cheese and some mm. vegetables, mm. and it's delicious. We grew up eating it. We call everything hot dish here instead of casseroles. <laughs> and so doing the tot dish tacos, it ties it into a, a local flavor very much. Really so, nice to cheer on the Minnesota team while you're eating some hot dish. Exactly. I think that it's, uh, it, you know, the, you can get buffalo sliders anywhere. Mm. But I don't think any other NBA arena has the tot dish tacos. Yeah. All right, let's break it down on the food. we got to get into the taste. For the bread, goes to the sliders. You know, the taco, one of my biggest complaints about the tot dish taco is like a cold tortilla. They didn't do anything to it. Really nice buns, little mini slider buns, just better than actually anything else in the slider, I'd feel like. That was really great bread. The meat sliders went again. The tot dish, they should heat it up. It's a cold, it's like kind of just sitting cold in a tin pan and they scoop to like... Things of the cold the tot dish. It's right there. Yeah, and it doesn't really taste like much. It tastes like kind of a mush. It doesn't taste bad. It tastes mm-hmm. like kind of just a, 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 a you know, tot, tater tot beefy kind of mush. And then the extras, the tater tot dish really comes alive here with the toppings they put on. It's yeah. like a, a chipotle cheese kind of uh, sour cream sauce. And then the other one they put on is a barbecue sauce or a ketchup sauce. Yeah. And uh, I know those are two different things, the ketchup sauce. And, <laughs> it, and really, that was the best part of the tot dish. But the sliders come with the coleslaw on top, and it's fresh. It tastes great. I don't know if coleslaw can be fresh, but it tasted great. Love the coleslaw. And so, you know, it sounds like I'm sliding with the sliding with the sliders here, but actually the winner is the tot dish. Oh, a surprise. I'm a huge sucker for the price here. Like, yeah. I'm not going to spend nine fifty for some sliders that were just all right. Uh, the sliders tasted like great little burgers, but I didn't get any kind of buffalo in it. There are probably better burger options within the stadium even. But the thing about the tot dish is that even though all the individual parts of it were kind of disappointing, it was more than the sum of its parts when all put together. It was actually pretty tasty for its price. I would, I'm going to give the winner to the tot dish here. All right. Ding, ding, ding. Tot dish tacos. There, there you go. Go get them when you're at Target Center. 
They're delicious. Uh, again, I don't remember which section we found them in, but they were the one same. of the side ones. Yeah, they were in the same the same booth there, so you can, you can get them both the same place. That's cool. We'll have some more Target Center food reviews in future episodes of the podcast. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to better know an old school wolf. That's right. We're going to tell you about an older timber wolf that you should know more about. School you in history. That's right. So stick around. We're coming right back with Timberwolves, the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Right now, it's time for our segment, Better Know an Old School Wolf. Wolf is Troy Hudson. NBA players fancying themselves as rappers is a phenomenon that goes back decades. Shaquille O'Neal opened the floodgates in 1993 when he released his first hip-hop album, Shaq Diesel. It eventually went platinum. Since then, NBA players like Allen Iverson, Chris Webber, Tony Parker, and even Kobe Bryant have put out rap albums. They step up to the mic, they think they're rappers, that kind of thing. The most notable Timberwolves player to chase crossover success in the rap game is point guard Troy Hudson. Most Wolves fans remember T-Hud as the dreadlock scorer who started 74 games for the 02-03 Timberwolves and backed up Sam Cassell on the 03-04 Wolves who won a franchise record 58 games and made it all the way to the conference finals. Hudson played in 257 regular season games from 2002 to 2007. His finest on-court moments in his Timberwolves tenure came in 2003 when he averaged 25 points a game in the first-round playoff series against the L.A. Lakers, a playoff series the Wolves would lose in six games. Sadly, T. Hud's rap career, like most NBA players, was a flop. While his 2007 debut album, Undrafted, featured verses from Underground Kings, 3-6 Mafia, and Ray J. You remember Ray J? Yeah. You remember Brandy, Ray J.? It allegedly only sold 78 copies in its first week. Released under Hudson's hilariously named record label, Nutty Boys Entertainment. That's right, Boys has a Z in it. Undrafted is the typical monotonous copycat hip-hop fare you expect it to be. It's not very good, but it's a good, good, good try, T-Hud. So in recap, Troy Hudson was an important piece on a few of the best Wolves teams ever and also put out a terrible rap album. Now we better know an old-school Wolf Troy Hudson. Welcome back to the show. It is time to open up your mail. It's a mail bag. It's a mail bag. It's a m- 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 mail bag. It's a mail bag. It's a mail bag. It's a m- 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 mail bag. Letters on letters like the alphabet, yo. This segment's called Mailbag. So if you got a question about the wolves, let us know. There's a good chance that we'll read it on the show. Yeah, send us your letters. Send us your messages. Send us your carrier pigeons. We want to hear from you. Yeah. Thank you so much for sending us mail, sending us 
tweets, sending us email. It's all mail, right? I got more mail in our mailbox this week than I did in my actual real life <laughs> home mailbox. Yeah, thanks for sending it to us. It's if nice you'd like, to get it. if you'd like to ask a question, you can uh, tweet at us at Wolvescast. Ask a question there, or go to our website timberwolvesthepodcast.com there's a contact page there just fill in the information and we'll get an email with your question it'll be cool I also think that if you just write Neil and Scott on an envelope and yep. leave it at George Mikan's feet mm-hmm. at the Timberwolves at the Center lobby, lobby we'll pick it up every time we go yeah we always check for that so mm-hmm. make sure you just do that that'd, that'd be really cool uh, first question here is from Drew his uh, Twitter handle is Mountain Drew, M T N D R E W underscore eleven. Kind of complicated. But, oh uh, man, Mountain Drew wasn't Mountain available Drew. on its own. That's too Mountain bad. Drew. That's a good name. I like that. At Mountain Drew eleven, go follow him. Uh, here, the question is: Are either of you superstitious when it comes to watching sports slash the Wolves? Do you get worried when they say, "quote He hasn't missed a free throw all night," unquote? Because of course he's going to miss that next one. I'm more fatalistic. Uh, yeah. Sorry, uh, do, I was trying to worry. Yeah, I want to worry sure. about that. Yep. Uh, do you get worried when they say, quote, he hasn't missed a free throw all night, unquote? Because of course he's going to miss the next one. That's from Drew in Lake City. Scott, are you superstitious when you're watching the Wolves? Mm, I feel like I'm probably a little more fatalistic than superstitious. <laughs> like, oh no, like when something the, bad's going to happen. When the refs have called like a couple bad calls on us yeah. and we're getting just jobbed by the refs, like... And then when a guy gets called for the next one, I'm like, of course he's getting called. Of course he's going to hit both of these. And so that's a little less superstitious than just being like, of course this is going to how, how it's going to work because we're getting screwed, you know. Of course it's going <laughs> to keep getting us screwed. But I feel like it doesn't quite work with the Wolves because uh, winning has been so meaningless for so long. Like sometimes we cheer for us to lose so we get a better draft pick. Yeah, last year. We know that like a lot of times we're out of the playoffs and yet we're still watching these games. Uh-huh. So like when winning doesn't really matter, it's hard to develop superstitions. I feel like that happens when you have a good team and you want to keep the good going. Yeah. You better not wash your socks because <laughs> good's happened. We haven't had a, a, a stretch of good in the Timberwolves recently for me to be like, maybe it's the socks I'm wearing. <laughs> I do tend to uh, either like knock on wood sometimes, or I guess um, I have had times where um, if if the team is one and I'm wearing a certain hat or whatever, I'll try to wear the same hat like to the game the next time. Stuff like that for sure happens. Uh, speaking to the free throw question, it happened the other night with Steph Curry. Actually, I was watching some other game. It wasn't a Wolves game, but watching Steph play. Announcers talked about how great Steph was. He stepped to the line and missed. <laughs> like hilarious. his first miss all year, pretty hilarious. much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was uh, really it. Never fun. fails. And then, of course, the announcers like, "We did that. That, <laughs> that was, was us. us. That was us. <laughs> Way easier." Yeah. All right. Well, I got our next mailbag question. I just hit the table. I'm going to read that again. All right. Well, I've got our next mailbag question. This one comes from Matt. At M Polum ninety five. That's M Polum P O L U M ninety five. Thanks, Matt. Just like Microsoft Windows ninety five. It is obvious that Cat is playing at a level most teenagers are not capable of playing at. True. That being said, what do you think is the most important aspect of the game he needs to learn and understand in order to make sure that he has a Hall of Fame career? He has the most promising of starts. I think that he he's ranking up there with the all-time NBA greats with the kind of statistical output he's putting out as a teenager and now as a 20-year-old. And so it's easy to kind of picture that ahead, but he has a long road to get there. He already has a very developed game, Neil. What do you think is the most important thing that Cat needs to do to make sure he hits the ceiling that we have projected for him? Yeah, I think right now, and it's something that we kind of have to project ahead to look at. It's not something that's happening to him right now. 
But I think his issue is going to be playing a whole season, um, staying in shape for a whole season, and you know, just just a rookie wall type thing. You know, I think those issues are are yet to come for Cat. Everything's great right now. He's played you know twelve games or whatever. But I think in order to make sure he has a Hall of Fame career, he needs to learn how to navigate the ins and outs, the grind of the NBA season, much like Tim Duncan has done. He's getting a lot of the comparisons to Tim Duncan right now um, as far as his skill set and the things he can do on both sides of the court. Tim Duncan has had a legendary career where he has been able to stay on the court every season, it seems like. He hardly misses games. A lot of that has to do with the system he's in with the Spurs, especially these days as he's gotten older. You know, he doesn't play as many minutes. Um, you know, but I think for Carl, I think just being able to stay on the court and continue to fight through that rookie wall as it happens halfway through this season w- would be huge for him. Um, because right now he's showing us everything. It's great. Yeah. He, I think he should spend his, uh, summers in the tropics with Tim Duncan. Yeah. Swimming. S- swimming. Yeah. Just, you know, whatever Timmy, Timmy's doing to keep his body yeah, in shape. Practice flip turns. I entirely agree. That's my answer as well. Like if there, you can't make the hall of fame, if you don't play, 10 15 seasons like yeah. you need to be in prime form for a long time and that can be tough for a big man because even little things can go wrong when your body is that big but i think that cat's already on the right path with that kg has been reportedly teaching him about how to use the smallest body movements and like don't use like big arm movements if you don't need to try to be as Small efficient as you can with your body movements because that's how KG's staying healthy at this point is he's not putting himself in the way of getting hit yeah. very much. So I think KG can teach him the tricks if anyone can. KG has got the longevity. He's, what, one of four players to play 50,000 minutes now? Oh, amazing. And so KG can teach him. He's got to learn how to just stay healthy and treat his body right because everything else, I think he's got a good mentality. I think his head's screwed on right. He already has the perspective about like how to supplement his own desire for the good of the team. And so really, I think at this point, just if he stays healthy, what's going to stop him? I like it. Go cat. Go cat. You got this. Thanks, Matt good. in Minneapolis for that question. Next question comes to us from Mac. His uh, Twitter handle is up and under at U-P-A-N-D-U-N-D-E-R, up and under. Hey, guys, I'm a former Minnesotan, go Gophers, who has recently found himself in the job market. I have a background in basketball, specifically in the paint. What do you think my odds are of finding a job in the Twin Cities? That comes to us from Mac in Houston. Hmm. Mac in Houston. Mac. Well, Mac, I don't know. I think uh, all the jobs in the Twin Cities are currently filled. You know, I think uh, I see tap rooms open up in Northeast every other week, and they're oh, all doing great. Like Amazing. Four years ago, we were talking about what it'd be like to open a tap room in Northeast, and friends said, Scott, it's tapped out. There's already too many. <laughs> but I'm ching. There's, there's already too many here. We've got Indeed and Dangerous Man. <laughs> the market's oversaturated. Flash forward to today, there's like eight or nine, ten. Yeah, lots. Great tap rooms in north, just northeast alone. So, so you're saying Mac should move out, out of basketball. You know what I mean? There's probably not a spot for him here. We're good in the big man development area. He says he's from the in the paint. You know, that's where he's good. You know, Carl Anthony Towns, Gorg Jang, a couple of young guys you might know, be learn, looking to learn some moves, but Mac might want to start in beer. Unless Mac has some kind of like connection, some kind of network he could rely on in the Twin Cities, maybe like an alumni network. Yeah, if he knows the boss. If he, yeah, if he has any kind of like history with the boss, the boss is known to like people with history in the organization. So you think Mac, he could get a reference? I think he could get some good references and that okay. might that might take him a long way. But I would just say that uh, you know, make sure that you're ready to jump back into the job market before you do, Mac. Take your time off, you know, 
You probably got an all right severance package, hopefully. Go and, get your vacation on. Right. Get a nice tan and uh, come back when you're ready. Wonderful. That's all we have for Mailbag today. Again, make sure you send us your questions. Silly, not silly. It can be about basketball things. can be about Target Center stuff. Maybe you want to know about crunch. I don't know. Lots yeah, we things. haven't received any big philosophical questions yet. Like, yeah, yeah. Don't what, ask us about our personal what lives. What is the meaning but, of basketball? But yeah, you can anything relating to basketball, the Wolves, just, just send us a message again at WolvesCast or at TimberwolvesThePodcast.com. Or a letter left at George Mikan's feet in the Target Center lobby. Those are the only ways to, to contact us. Uh, make sure you stick around. we got one more segment left for you. We're going to play a game. It's a little game called Would You Rather. We're going to ask each other questions. I'm winning this one. You're going down. Oh, the stakes have been raised. Stick around. We'll be right back with Timberwolves, the podcast. All right, back to the show. It's time to play a game. Scott, are you ready to play a game? I'm going to take it down. All right, take here we go. Take it down go. to Chinatown. All right, the game today, Would You Rather? I think most people understand what the Would You Rather game is. Basically, we're just going to throw out uh, two possibilities for any sort of given subject, and you got to pick one, you know? So I'm going to start it's it out. Either or. Either it's, or. Pick it, one or the other. If you say anything other than the either or, you're incorrect. Yeah, that's how that's, that's Don't get it. cute with this. Don't be trying to bring in option number three. That's right. All right, first question, Scott, this is for you. Would you rather have Tom Thibodeau or Scott Brooks as the next Timberwolves head coach? I'm going with Thibodeau on this one. I was a yep. huge fan of those Bulls teams. Those are some of my favorite teams of the past, you know, last 10 years or so. And the only thing I would worry about is him running Wiggins and Rubio and Towns into the ground like he did with Yee. Ashik and Lou Aldane. And Jimmy Butler. Yeah, he runs everyone into the ground. So He doesn't the, care. He doesn't care. And that's the only thing <laughs> I would worry about. It's the only thing I'd worry about. But if you want to maximize a five-year window, you bring Tom Thibodeau in. So maybe don't do it this year. Maybe do it like when we're ready to have a great five-year window. Then you bring them in, and you run these guys into the ground, and then Wiggins can be seven years into his uh, his career. He can go to free agency to Toronto if he wants with all those bum knees like Lou Aldane in Miami right That's now. That's right. I think you're right. Thibodeau, I think, is the ultimate head coach acquisition that the Wolves could get right now, just as far as his pedigree goes. Scott Brooks, former Wolf Scott Brooks, Used to be on the team and, and everything. So I, I think he could seems, be in the mix. And seems like a good player coach. Good uh, player coach. Did wonderful things with Westbrook and, and, and Durant in OKC. Could never get him over the hump. But we have a similar start now with, with Cat and Wiggins. So to, we'll see. To be fair to Scott Brooks, he got into the finals. And the other years in the playoffs when they didn't get to the finals, it was because Russ, Ibaka, or Durant was injured. Were injured, yeah. And so he wasn't. he's not a mastermind, but he was do, clearly doing something right in that locker room to get that young team to compete for so many years. But you got to remember, like we want to be the next Thunder. We want to make the playoffs and have a good series in the first round as the eight seed. Then when the next year we want to rise up a little bit more, yeah. we would love to have that same trajectory as the Thunder. And Scott Brooks was there for that. I think they'll both be back in the league next year. I think one of them will be the Wolves head coach. Now it's my turn to ask the questions. Neil, would you rather have season tickets and the upper level of the Target Center for the whole season, but you get to choose one game of your picking to sit courtside? Or... Would you rather have an average lower level season ticket for the entirety of the season? I'm gonna take the latter. I'm gonna take the wow. lower level. I'm gonna take the lower level seats. 
you know, the average level seats for the entire for the entirety of the year, and then uh, you know, just you know, maybe move up pretty close to some of the blowout games or something like that. Uh, the sitting upper deck is just something that uh, we've just moved out of. You know, we, as we mentioned, we grew up going to games way up top. We didn't know any better, but once you sit close. Once you get that close, once you can hear the, the chatter, hear the coaches yelling back and forth, hear the refs, that kind of stuff, all the atmosphere sitting low, that's where I want to be every game. Now, I know one game courtside would be a dream come true. You and I have one never said— One game of your choosing. You could oh, take the Cavs game courtside LeBron, if you want. LeBron and KD, Kevin Love. Whoever you want. Yeah. Oh, that, w- that would be amazing, and I do dream to sit courtside in an NBA game at some point in my life. I will do it. But for a whole season, I'll take the lowers. Are you going the other way? The other I, way I think that's this? a safe choice. But, you know, I just want to touch the sun once. You yeah. know, like it's been my dream for years to sit courtside. We've looked up the prices every season to see if yeah. we can afford it. And we can't. No. And it's only going to get harder once the team gets good again. <laughs> Everyone's buying into courtside tickets. You want to have a player dive into the stands right I want KG to like land on me. <laughs> you know, I want, I want to get all sweaty when some guy like jumps into the crowd yeah. and knees me in the head. Yeah. That's like, the best. It's the best ticket in sports. Sit courtside. You can't sit any closer in any other sport. You get sweat on. You know you can hear everything. It really is amazing. And you have those upper level tickets, but then you have no pressure to show up at every game. You're yeah. like, well, I take them or leave them. You can yeah, give them to them. friends yeah. if you want. You can buy tickets to the lower level and right. you know sell those upper level tickets. So I would say it's worth it just for that one glorious moment sitting courtside and being able to have to being able to know that LeBron James has heard my very insulting <laughs> words. Oh man, I would have to pick it by refs i would have to choose like my least favorite referees and pick the right night and just really get into them (laughs) all right next question uh scott you're the wolves mascot crunch for one day it's Mm. you in the suit dream come true got it you're in the suit it's you would you rather for your stunt of the evening trampoline dunk or sled down the lower level concourse steps these are both things that crunch has been known to do these are kind of like his things trampoline dunk or get on a sled and ride all the way down onto the court. I'm taking sled. Really? Sled, sled easily. <laughs> I've like I've worn some mascot suits back in high school and stuff, and it's impossible to move in those things. It's heavy. super hard to see. It's very heavy. And I like if I were in my gym clothes, I wouldn't have any confidence in myself to do a trampoline dunk. <laughs> I, I would be sure I'd mess up. And even though they put the pads down there, that doesn't help you if you go head first into the backboard or something like that. And so for me, You're gonna you got to play it safe. Uh, sledding down the steps would be fun. It's not that it's not that maybe as exciting or as gratifying, but I know that I won't get the inside of the crunch suit bloody, and yeah. I got to take sl- sled <laughs> for that reason. I Hopefully, think I could. Do, I, I wish you had said what could, I could do like the bit where he shoves a cake in someone's face <laughs> that's wearing the opposite team's jersey, because that would be fun too. That's a good one too. The other thing about the sled though is if you wipe out, it's all part of the fun. Exactly, There's it's just no part pressure. of it. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's not the like fun. they're making you go down the. Uh, the stairs and roller skates while wearing an inflatable <laughs> raptor costume, you know? We've seen that one before. Ultimate gift. What about you? What would you pick? Yeah, I'll take the steps as well. I think just all you got to do is hold on and hope for the best. And then, uh, you know, but again, you can wipe out. You know, I think it's safer. Uh, I, I like the I like the sledding down the steps. It's it's more Minnesotan as well. Any 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 mascot can do the trampoline dunk. It's, I think it's a very Minnesota thing to sled down the steps. Although they should take it another step further than and get rid of the plastic sled and get one of those like Calvin and Hobbes wooden toboggans. <laughs> yeah, go down in a blades. toboggan. <laughs> blades on the bottom. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> All right, I got the final. Would you rather question? Hit me. Hit me. Load it. Here's the question. Mm-hmm. 
Who would you rather trade? Gorgie Jane or Shabazz Muhammad? Oh, no. Drafted the same same night. Traded Trey Burke for both those guys. So we have them both Ooh. on the same kind of rookie deals. Wow. Similar. I mean, Gorgie's a little cheaper because he was picked later in the draft. Would you rather trade Gorgie or Shabazz? In, a, in point, a vacuum. Just like you don't know what's getting him back. You assume you're going to get the equal value back for either one of them. I think Boz has a more likelihood to be the better player I'm going to go, I'd rather trade Gorgie. I know big men are harder to come by. They're more valuable in the league. Got high hopes for Gorgie. I think he's good. I think he's going to be all right in the long run. But I think Boz has a higher ceiling. He's a better player right now, more complete. I'm going to go Gorgie as far as who, who to be traded. What about you? I'm on the opposite fence. Oh. I just think that we already have a, a backup Wayne that can come off the bench and lead the scoring in Zach Levine. I think that it's easier to get a free agent Wayne who can simulate what Shabazz does, um, whereas it's so much harder to get like a solid, reliable backup big. And we could draft another backup big, but I feel like you have a better shot dipping into the college market for a reliable Wayne. And I love Shabazz and his ability to pour it in, but maybe we can get a Wayne who plays a little bit better defense as well. So I love them both. I would hate to see Shabazz go, but I think Gorgie would be the one I hold on to. I hear you there. That's that's the beauty of Would You Rather. So close. So true. So close. Awesome. That finishes up our game, and it finishes up our podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening to episode two. We got two in the bag now. We're just going to keep on going. We're going to keep on recording once Once a week. week. Keep listening. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We're living in a golden era of Timberwolves podcast. There's like one to listen to every day of the week. Which Lots is great because stuff. I like literally don't have enough podcasts to listen to every day of the week. You get the starters daily, but like to have like a solid Timberwolves podcast to listen to every day of the week, it's a good time. Well, we hope, that, uh, we hope that uh, our show is in your rotation of Timberwolves or NBA or just any podcast in general. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another show. Make sure that uh, you, you're subscribing to our show uh, via iTunes, via your favorite podcast app, or just listening on our website. And to everybody who is out tonight on the streets of Minneapolis I just want to say in the immortal words of the legend Kevin Garnett we come in we come in we come in